Welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast, the photo imaging industry's leading news source. Here's your host, Gary Peugeot. The Dead Pixel Society podcast is brought to you by Media Clip, Advertech Printing, and IP Labs. Hello again and welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. I'm your host, Gary Peugeot, and today we're joined by Jim Pridemore, who's the co-director of Spectrum Studios in Kennewick, Washington. Hi, Jim. How are you today? Good morning, Gary. I am living the dream. Thank you. In the photo industry, living the dream. But you've got a really unusual business and dream in the sense that Spectrum Studios isn't a for-profit business. You know, talk a little bit about what the mission of Spectrum Studios is. Absolutely. Uh, yes, we. Uh, you're right. In the photo world, we are very different. Uh, our mission is to create uh, opportunities uh, such as employment as well as enrichment for young adults on the autism spectrum, specifically that have aged out of high school. Uh, Gary, that's the beginning or uh, the entry to really an epidemic here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can, the reason I say that is when the young adult ages out of high school, either graduates on time at 18 or ages out at 21, mm-hmm. the years of support and guidance that they've had, uh, all those years, their academic years just abruptly stops, okay. leaving the young adult and the family standing there with their hands out saying, what now? So uh, that's that's our mission to address that issue. How do you address that issue specifically? You have people on staff who are on the spectrum who are, are needing a, a help with the next step. That's correct. Uh, currently, we employ uh, nine on the autism spectrum, and uh, we have a couple of interns as well, mm-hmm. uh, hoping to grow. So we start by um, we find revenue streams, product and services that we think best fit the skills of different skill levels on the spectrum. Sure. So everything from digitizing movies to running a digital photo lab. So somebody that uses computers can find a job and somebody that can only tape the boxes can find a job. Right. So what was the impetus for this? I mean, we'll, we'll get into your career prior to this because you're a longtime photographer, but what made you decide, Hey, we want to start a nonprofit business that addresses this issue. Well, my friend, that's the number one question we get for everybody who finds us. It's a little <laughs> bit of a long answer, but uh, if if you will indulge me, sure. Um, we have a son, Tyler, who is uh, very high on the spectrum. is college educated at the University of Central Florida with a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Full time employed, homeowner. As I said, he's very very high on the spectrum. Most people don't even know he's on the spectrum until you just spend a few minutes with him. Mm-hmm. But there was a time in our life we uh, had a young man that we had befriended that had lost his mother. And shortly after we befriended him, he lost his father suddenly. Okay. And he was on the spectrum, uh, not as quite as advanced on the spectrum as Tyler, but he was also dealing with schizophrenia, uh, bipolar and the like. Mm-hmm. And when his father passed, uh, he was headed to foster care, uh, living in Florida, headed to foster care in the state of Georgia. When uh, we intervened, uh, with some some help from our our good friends uh, Chuck Drago, who was a deputy governor of the state of Florida under Charlie Chris, uh, help us expedite some things and understand the process. So we brought him into our family, mm-hmm. and uh, Karen championed his cause, 
And we were able in the course of five years to have him graduate on time, find full-time employment with Disney, which he's still employed today, absolutely living his dream with Disney. Uh, And he's quite a transformation story. But the real impetus was during that time, we learned and experienced the difference you can have on the autism spectrum. Sure. uh, And personalities and traits and challenges and the like. Karen also sat on the board of directors for CARD, the Center for Autism and Related Disabilities at the University of Central Florida for about six years, where she had access to families with folks on the spectrum and, and sharing their stories. And many times the story included, you know, a period where their child committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Uh, So as she delved further and further into the issues that folks on the spectrum face, and uh, we just we just became engulfed with this mission. Mm-hmm. So there's the there's the long answer for mm-hmm. it. Uh, that's that's what got us committed to the mission. Well, it's not that long of a story. So, but but to continue, sir. I mean, I guess the question I'm getting to is, you know, a lot of people would start a you know perhaps a fundraising mechanism or a training organization or something like this, but you actually run a full fledged operational business where folks with autism can come and learn skills and. I mean, I, I I would assume part of the thing is to, you know, build their skills, build their portfolio so they can either move on or I suppose many of them do stay with you. Absolutely. And um, this is going to sound funny, but I'm going to say thank you, COVID. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is when we moved to Washington, uh, I had retired mm-hmm. uh, about four months into retirement. And I decided retirement wasn't for me. Right. So we opened a do-it-yourself photo video studio here in the Tri-City mm-hmm. where people could bring their own cameras, their own photographers, come and learn how to use studio lighting. And we had uh, many of static uh, sets or vignettes that the, mm-hmm. that the folks could use. They had a lot of fun with. During that time is where we really started to move forward with the mission, and we created a program called Portraits with a Purpose. And the idea was is we would identify folks on the spectrum that had an interest in photography. Mm-hmm. We would bring them into the studio, uh, teach them the technical skills, but also teach them the uh, personal skills that are needed to not only do the photography, but to make sales. Mm-hmm. And as anyone knows that is familiar with autism, the social awkwardness is the number one challenge that these folks have. Sure. But back back to the story. Uh, so we had just started Portraits with a Purpose and COVID hit. Uh, we had had the studio open for 17 months. We were shut down for 15 months. And during that time, we were doing some soul searching. And Karen and I had long conversations. Okay, when this COVID thing is over and we're able to reopen, we're going to be starting over again because we were only open for 17 months and closed down almost as many months. Right. Uh, so we decided that instead of building a business that could help the mission, we would find a way to make the mission the driver and build a business around the skill sets needed and develop the products and services around the people that we serve. And that's where it came from. Now, through the intervention of our mutual friend, Chuck Rawson from Star Photo, we were connected at the IPI conference. Tell me a little bit about your involvement, like getting involved with IPI, because it's not probably in your prior experience as a photographer, a group you'd even heard of. And then you got involved with IPI and what that's done for your business. 
Oh, my goodness. And, you know, what a great question, because it really was a serendipitous type of introduction, if you will. One of the good things that happened to us was uh, Costco decided to get out of the photo lab business, Mm -hmm. had approximately 300 wet labs. They had a reseller that was going to purchase all 300 labs. I happened to make contact with a lovely woman in Vancouver, Washington, in uh, the management chain with Costco, shared our mission with her. She uh, jumped right in and said, Jim, I have a 16-year-old son on the spectrum. We know exactly what's happening and what's what's about to happen. Right. So they actually sold 299 wet labs and donated one to us. Okay. We have this wet lab, had never been the, the operator of a wet lab, have always sent things out to our labs. Sure. And we're playing with this thing and saying, oh, my goodness, we better figure out how to do this. You know, true yeah. entrepreneur. Let's say yes, and we'll figure out how to do it later. Right, exactly. So during my research, just a, less than a couple of weeks after receiving the lab, somehow I ran across uh, uh, some information about IPIC, mm-hmm. the conference for IPI. And I started reading and I said, Karen, these folks seem to be the folks that might have the knowledge that we need. They meet in Las Vegas in a week. So pack your bags. We're going (laughs) to join this right now and we're going to fly out to Las Vegas and meet these people. Best, Gary, the best thing we have ever done. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just came back from Fort Worth, Texas, our third IPI, third consecutive IPI conference. And I will share with you that greater than 75% of the products and services that we offer uh, here in our 6,500 square foot studio, those all came from our first IPIC visit. And the people that sat with us and had coffee with us mm-hmm. uh, understood the mission. Some of them learned about the mission, uh, but we would not have had the growth we had last year had it not been for that trip and meeting those folks in IPI. Mm-hmm. So what specifically did you gain from from that conference in the sense that you said most of the services, was it basically, oh my gosh, I see all these opportunities and ways I can use this? Or was it someone recommending certain uh, product lines based on your business goals? No, Gary, it, it was the first. For example, in a thousand years, I would have never considered taking film in for developing. <laughs> right. You know, I'm like the general public, you know, film is dead. Nobody's using film. Right. So partnering with uh, partnering with some labs, some IPI members, we decided to give it a go mm-hmm. and just be a dropping point for people to drop off film. Well, sure. we actually are the only one in the Tri-Cities that takes film in. So there's a revenue stream we never thought of. One of the biggest things that uh, the biggest winners that we have now that we took away from that was video archiving. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just assumed with all the gadgets out there and what have you, inexpensive, people would, you know, be doing everything themselves, that there wasn't that much film left in the world, or let's say video left in the world. And, but we gave it a try and it is our number one revenue stream right now. You mean uh, digital transfer? Yes, digital transfer. Yes. So not only archiving of, of movies, but uh, photographs, slides, negatives, uh, audio tapes and the like. Yeah. And of course, it, it gives it's the number one thing that provides hours for our Spectrum family and creates new jobs for us right now. And you're doing that in-house? Doing it all in-house. 
Interesting. So do you think there's some, because that's a very focused activity, the digitization, you have to pay a lot of attention and focus on and be kind of have good attention to detail. Do you think that's well suited for someone on the spectrum? Oh my goodness. In more cases than not, Gary, it is perfect. Let me take uh, film or slide scanning for an example, if I may. Visiting with my friends that own stores and labs, I hear all the time that, you know, I can never retain my person that slides that does slide scanning. It's such a boring, repetitive, you know, job. Absolutely. Well, this type, yeah, this type of work is is perfect for someone on the spectrum because once they're focused in and they understand it, Yes. I mean, you you won't have to worry about that employee leaving because they got bored. Well, that's interesting. Is there any other experiences you found uh, with processes that as you brought in different services, you realized, wow, I've got some great talent in this store that can really, like you said, embrace a repetitive task? Yeah, Um if I understand the question correctly, and I'm, I'm from the South, so my family tree goes straight up. So you have to bear with me a little <laughs> bit sometimes. But, uh, you know, what we've learned is, well, we've learned the need is greater than just creating the jobs. Mm-hmm. We've learned that the need is education. Sure. If we can educate other business owners about this tremendous pool of workers and explain to them what makes them so, then we're well on our way. But the challenge is, Gary, is that the interview, it's not that people on the autism spectrum cannot do certain types of jobs. Mm-hmm. It's they can't get through the interview. Right. And the interview, because of the lack of social skills, uh, is, is one reason. Uh, but the interview is uncomfortable on both sides of the desk. Sure. So if we can get to the businesses and say, look, here's what you should expect for the interview. Let us help you. Mm -hmm. So our mission has grown now to being able to add an education component, uh, not only for new uh, spectrum folks, but for local businesses that would like to learn how to onboard and, and uh, what to expect. So that's, that's our mission right now, Mm -hmm. but that's what we learned from working with these folks is man, they can do the work. If we can just get them past the interview. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting point because there's so much of, you know, the interview process that is, you know, once they've screened the person for their requirements or somebody's answered an ad or something like that, there is that sort of interview process, which um, can deep six a qualified candidate if they've had a bad day or if they have an emotional issue. And I imagine with an autistic person, there's also that, you know, that added layer on top of that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, we all know when you first walk into the interview and you shake hands and you make eye contact, mm-hmm. that's going to pretty much set the basis for the rest of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're on the spectrum, sometimes eye contact is not something you're comfortable with, not right. something you do. If you're on the spectrum, it's very possible you live in a very black and white world. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're very precise with your answers. There's no adding any fluff and and that sort of thing. Sure. So yeah, it's uh, it's quite different. So like I said, it's also very very uncomfortable for the interviewer because it's not what they what they have expected or mm-hmm. are used. To. Are there any tips you have for employers who may be interested? in hiring uh, folks on the spectrum to, you know, help with that process? I mean, is, I mean, do you provide any information? Because I imagine you're becoming a resource now in your community 
for that? And, you know, is there like two or three things you'd say, you know, if you're interested in hiring someone on the spectrum or are aware that this applicant is on the spectrum, what are things you need to keep in mind? Absolutely. First thing, feel free to reach out to Karen or I at any time mm -hmm. and uh, we can we can help you with that. It's just an understanding that the personalities are going to vary so much. But, you know, one example of a reason to hire somebody on the spectrum is for the most part, Gary, they don't go out on Friday night, have a big old Friday night and call off sick on Saturday. <laughs> so you just don't have these call offs all the time. Right. The longevity is there once you train them. Mm -hmm. um, if you understand how to do it and to be patient and what have you. So yes, we would be maybe a good contact point for, for uh, uh, learning more about that. Just be prepared to understand that you have to look past, you're not gonna get the social butterfly. Right. What you're gonna get sometimes is somebody who's very, could be very stoic, be very black and white. Mm -hmm. uh, you may not think they're paying attention to you because they don't make eye contact. Mm -hmm. uh, another trait is they may uh, delay in responding to a question or a conversation you have. And it's not that they're not hearing you, it is just the way that they process. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, every individual is different. Sure. So on that case, it, again, they, just, they may be a little slower like that, but once you get through and you get them trained in an area that they're comfortable, they appreciate it and love to just keep doing what you need them to do. What percent of your business approximately is you know, in-house stuff that you produce and stuff you outsource? Because you've got a crazy array of services here. You've got, you know, you do custom shirts, you do gifts, you do digitization, you do classes. It's almost like you're a community center with some output services in there. <laughs> I love that because, again, since our, our main focus is the is the culture that we we have here in the studio. I'm glad you said that we're kind of a, a center and that's, we want people to understand that. Uh, we only outsource probably less than 5% wow. of the product and service. So even direct to garment printing we do here, dye sublimation printing, uh, we have uh, in-house do-it-yourself photo and video studios people can come and use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're, again, our goal is to do as much as we can here to create employment and more hours for our current spectrum family and you found the equipment and all these things to do these things through ipi yes through the most part yes of course having 30 years of uh, photography uh, studio experience behind us yeah. you know equipment wise on that side we already had that but uh everything else mm -hmm. uh, yeah i can't think of anything that we bring in or a supplier or vendor we have that uh, we weren't introduced to through ipi so you've been having this run for about what two or almost three years now. Right. Um, what what's what's the long term plan for Spectrum Studios? Well, Gary, our our situation is a little different than other nonprofits. You know, the majority of other nonprofits rely on fundraisers and grants and the like. Mm -hmm. And don't uh, misunderstand what I'm saying here in our early stages, we sure welcome that help as well. Mm -hmm. But the business model for Spectrum Studio is, is set that eventually we become a self-sustaining uh, business like any other business. Mm -hmm. But the business is, and we, and we hope in the near future, not only run by those on the spectrum, mm -hmm. but will be company owned by those on the spectrum. Okay. At that point, our goal is, is to determine, can we duplicate this? 
mm-hmm. process and other areas here in the Tri-City. And then, of course, you know, we're happy to teach anybody in the United States how to do this as long as they're committed to the mission. So how can people reach out to you if they want more information about Spectrum Studios and the work you're doing with folks on the Spectrum? Absolutely. They can uh, email me at jim at spectrum-studios.org or feel free to call us at 509-579-4278 and we'll do everything we can to help them. Great, Jim. Listen, it was great uh, meeting you in Fort Worth at the IPIC convention and look forward to seeing you in the future at future IPI events and seeing your business and and your nonprofit grow. Gary, thank you so much for inviting us. Great meeting you. Looking forward to another meal with you. Thank you for listening to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. Read more great stories and sign up for the newsletter at www.thedeadpixelssociety.com.